Hi, everybody. This is Dixon with the Southwest Collective Board of Directors, and welcome to episode one of Southwest Side Stories, our brand new podcast. We're going to be featuring stories of people doing amazing things on the Southwest Side of Chicago. And fortunately, there's no shortage of people who are doing great things in our community. We'll be doing this podcast every other week, and my co-host Jose and I will be alternating interviewing duties. He's going to be doing the first episode, and I will be back in a couple of weeks for episode two. And before each episode, we'll touch base about who we're talking to and why we think their story is important. And plus, we'll talk a little bit about whatever's top of mind at the moment. So without further ado, please sit back and enjoy episode one of Southwest Side Stories. It's 4th of July, you know, spent a lot of fireworks around the neighborhood. Um, Chicago is always a sight, uh, you know, driving down the expressway at night. <laughs> um, definitely a mess the day after for cleanup, not a whole lot of that, but um, just been staying busy in the neighborhood um, and, and, uh, def- and, you know, volunteering here with the group and all the good things that happen here. What about you? Um, yeah, we had a good 4th. Um, we were out seeing some family in... Uh, in the suburbs. And then uh, one of my favorite things is uh, if we're, we are out doing that on the 4th when we drive home um, and we're near the Pulaski exit on 55, we get to the top of, uh, of the bridge there at the exit and you can see the entire southwest side in like a 360 degree uh, cacophony of fireworks. So you can see everything going off in Little Village to the north and you can see everything going off in West Lawn and Archer Heights to the south and east and west. Um, and it made me think that in, you know, future years, I ought to just uh, ride my bike up to the top of the bridge there and, you know, bring like a lawn chair or something and, and just sit and watch the show from, from every single neighborhood all at once. It's a good plan. It's kind of cool to see. Yeah. Hidden gems here on the southwest side which we'll be uncovering on this podcast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Um, we, we've got a good, uh, we've got a good episode here for episode one. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, who we're interviewing and, and the story we're highlighting? It's uh, some youth organizers out of Garfield Ridge. I mean, that's as much as I've known besides meeting Dave, uh, you know, through the phone and um, hearing his enthusiasm um, and his mates, uh, Teenagers organizing around Black Lives Matters during last summer's protest um, locally here from the neighborhood of Garfield Ridge, which is a pretty, you know, we have a fair share of problems. We definitely have some shootings, some some incidences of violence, but it's a pretty sleepy part of Chicago. Um, there's a lot of municipal workers and a lot of police, too. So a lot of people don't think of it as an area that's active with activism. But um, you actually met Dave and, uh, and his comrades. Uh, how was that facilitating this first interview? Um, it was great. We met at uh, at a job fair in Garfield Ridge a few weeks ago that uh, the collective was a part of, um, and he was there as well. Um, and uh, we we got to talking and uh, got to realize that you know he was part of this group that was organizing, um, like you said, the Black Lives Matter protests in uh, Garfield Ridge last summer. Of course, there were protests all across the city, all across the country, um, but the Garfield Ridge protests got a lot of attention because 
you know, I think it's a neighborhood where, you know, looking at it from the outside, you wouldn't necessarily assume that they would have a large scale Black Lives Matter action, but they did. And uh, the students, you know, in and around Kennedy High School put together something very impressive. So I'm really curious to hear about how that came together, uh, how it was received, and, you know, what these students are, are doing now, uh, one year later. Yeah, definitely. Can't wait to hear from them about that. And, uh, you know, we'll be highlighting more stories from the Southwest Collective this year. Like you said, we'll probably be doing two episodes a month. Um, you know, how's the collective looking at, um, you know, like, I know that <laughs> the way this, you know, work goes, it's usually project to project, but, you know, the, the food drive was a pretty big success. I mean, as far as mutual aid went during COVID. Um, yeah, anything else um, planned down the pipeline? Yeah, the food, the food drives were great. Um, the Foods Here program was great because we were able to provide some, some supplemental income at least to uh, some local restaurant workers to, to help us with the distribution. Um, and we've, we've definitely got a whole bunch of vaccination events coming up this summer. Um, speaking of Garfield Ridge, we're gonna be focusing in the community of Garfield Ridge um, for uh, you know, the, rest, the rest of the year. And um, you know, this is in connection with a number of other uh, community groups on the Southwest side that will be focusing on other neighborhoods throughout the Southwest side. But we're gonna be trying to get people vaccinated. We're gonna be going door to door um, talking to people. Um, we are going to be, uh, you know, we're going to have some public events. We're going to be at some movies in the park. We're going to do some stuff at parks and schools and all that. So whatever it takes, you know, we want to make sure that, uh, that people get vaccinated and that we really push through and get to where we need to be in terms of, uh, you know, putting COVID behind us. For sure. You know, um, getting back to normal wasn't so great for everybody so like using this opportunity to get you know to a better place for all of us has not been easy um as you know we saw last year um uh i think you know talking to these young people about why you know they took action and what they have planned for the near future and how you know we all can build a community here that's safe from covid and and poverty and and despair and crime and otherwise uh you know um definitely going to be uh, great to talk about. Uh, looking forward to this interview that's coming up. Um, today we're joined by Dave and Nicola, who um, I, uh, I grew up here in the neighborhood and uh, have put on some actions last year during the National Black Lives Matters protest movements. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us on the first episode. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you guys so much. Um, you guys shared with me um, that you guys just met recently to put these actions together despite growing up, you know, on, like basically on the same block, just blocks away from each other. You guys want to share that story about uh, meeting and then coming to work together? Yeah, so I guess we'd have to start at the origin. Um, you know, the revelation that I had last summer when the Black Lives Matter movement was uh, strong and there were protests happening every day around the city. Um, and I was like, why don't why doesn't Garfield Ridge have one, especially with like our history, um, being a white flight neighborhood, and with Jason Van Dyke residing here, like near Hill Park? Um, I thought I was just outraged that you know our neighbors should 
our neighborhood should be um, one of the ones taking the most action, um, but given like, you know, some of the populations being very, how do you say it, having white supremacist beliefs, um, I thought it would be a real um, chance to kind of show that the youth in our neighborhood doesn't hold the same beliefs as them um, because we've never really had such a thing happen. So I called upon some of my um, good friends that I did have in the neighborhood um, to kind of, you know, brainstorm ideas. And I made a flyer. Um, I don't know what I was, like, what my intention was besides, you know, create something meaningful um, and actually action-orientated um, activism work. But um, one day I got an email from Dave and um, he basically said, hi, I'm a Pomona student, I'd love to get involved. And when I saw that, I was just wooed away because I'm from the same consortium um, that he goes to. And yeah, you want to say more about that? Absolutely. Um, well, you know, I that, that I, if we kind of take a step out of where we all are right now and um, go back to that very urgent period of time, I think, in all of our lives where we were simultaneously living through quarantine and unprecedented pandemic health crisis, and also now, um, you know, flaring racial tensions in our country, um, I, <laughs> when I sent that email, I, I was, I was, I was in a rush to help. I wanted to see what my community was doing, what was going on near me, and the moment I found out how I could help, um, I wanted I wanted to be there and I wanted to offer my services however I could do that. Um, and, and my, you know, it, it's funny because I generally try to use social media in moderation, which as a consequence, I think Garfield Bridge is like a Facebook heavy community um, in terms of figuring out a lot of what's going on these days, maybe not so different from a lot of our communities now. But um, my mom found this flyer that Nicola had uh, and, and, and some of the other organizers involved uh, had, had sent out, and she told me, you know, hey, you should, you should, uh, you should think about this. You should go to this. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to be, I, I want to help with this. I want more people to know about this. So um, I emailed, and, and it was a very fast evening because um, we began reaching out to local press outlets and um, you know making final plans and inviting uh, elected officials, and 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 I just sort of wanted to figure out where I fell in. Um, into the scheme of things because it was it was all very fast. And it really was a great help with um, you know outreach because I really didn't know what I was doing. I had no experience in you know organizing something like this. Um, so as soon as David went on board, it felt like things were really coming together. Um, yeah. Awesome. And then you guys did put on this action. You said you reached out to elected officials. Um, you know, there was a lot going on last year. I did hear about it. I heard you had some um, attention from it, too. Um, you want to share a little bit about that, how the event actually went? Yeah. I, and, and, you know, I think more than attention, um, when, in my mind at least, in the work we were doing, and I'd love to know also how you were sort of feeling 
um, as this is all unfolding, because it was so fast and it was so rapid, um, more than attention, we, as an organization, I think we agreed that we wanted conversation. Um, because it was a conversation that, that had been, uh, and now to a lesser extent, continues to be um, politely avoided uh, where we live and, and where we've grown up. And um, it, it wasn't about any of us. Um, it was about the future of our community and, you know, on a greater scale, I think the future of our city and obviously each and every single Black Lives Matter protest and, and racial justice action last summer began at a local level um, in some shape or form. And I think our hope was simply to ignite that conversation, but you're right, we do get a lot of attention. Um, and I, when I jumped in, I wanted to be outreach director if they, if they didn't have one already, um, because I'd done some campaign work and, and, and some other advocacy and activism. So I emailed frantically um, the TV stations and um, the newspapers, and I actually got a response from Mitchell Armantrat at the Sun-Times and, um, and Marie Newman's uh, campaign staff. Um, J.B. Pritzker also acknowledged us as well. Yes, yeah, Governor Pritzker's office acknowledged. Um, but when the Clearage Reporter, our local our t uh, local newspaper, and um, the Sun Times showed up, it was such a validation. I, I want to know how did how did you feel like throughout all of this? Because we were all sort of just working. I mean, honestly, it was just working. It was just like texting, like being there, like getting water, you know, doing whatever. I just felt an enormous amount of pride to be in like a place where we all come together. I think it was about 300 people who came to Kennedy High School from all over the city. From all over the city. I've had friends from like Franklin Park by O'Hare come in um, to show support and it was really like it was just a challenge to the previous held like notions that were permeating throughout our neighborhood during this time. Um, it was there was a lot of tension. I'd have to say um, we did run into a few problems, especially with location um, and trying to plan our route. Um, and of course, Facebook discourse. Um, a lot of disinformation. Um, do you want to talk about the, the threat? Yeah, so we got threats from a biker gang, actually. Yes. Um, yeah, at least they were. <laughs> um, we were supposed to plan it just on a public property in Garfield Ridge, but um, on Facebook, we saw that if we did hold it there, then some bikers will come and disform, deform our skulls or something like yes, that. They said they were going to bash our skulls in if we yes. chose a certain location. So of course, like first and foremost, we cared about the safety of our <laughs> um, community and those who chose to attend. Um, so we definitely did take precautions and we were very nervous because we weren't really getting a lot of support on Facebook where, you know, misinformation thrives. So it was, um, at some points it did feel dangerous, um, but we know that there was also a copious amount of support coming from the other side. And that outpouring 
was so reassuring. It was. Um, and I think the fact, you know, it's just like, it's just like if you, if you think back to the 4th of July, right, that wasn't too long ago, um, and you think of a sparkler, and, and you think of, um, you know, how you can spread the fire from one to another. I think that was the most rewarding part of being able to witness this. The fact that 300 people and more were impacted visibly by this. You know, 300 chose to show up with their bodies, with their families, um, with their faces, and speak to local media about this and, and speak to the future of their community. But, he, but even more than that, you know, in the ensuing days and, and weeks, um, I'm very involved in my parish. And um, I, I think often on the Southwest side, especially Catholic parishes can be something of a bastion of cultural conservatism. And I recall, you know, being really reluctant to show up at church um, because I didn't know what the, what, what the little, uh, the, what the folks were going to think of me, you know, what the little commentator there would be. Um, and the response was, was so funny. Um, an, an old teacher from my elementary school who's very involved in the, in the parish as well, because I attended the parish school, um, actually came up to me during a training session. We were all figuring out how to work with COVID at worship services. And he, and he sort of tiptoed over to me during our water break at the training. And he said, Dave, I'm so glad you're doing this. It's way past time. And I said, oh my gosh, this is, this is, it's seeping through. You know, there is, there is rooting going on. There is a sprout coming out of the concrete that cannot be stopped. Um, and, and, you know, if we want to, I, I know you want to mention, Jose, that you wanted to discuss the, the work and, and the impact that it continues to have on the community. I, I think beginning that very week that we planned that first event, I, I don't know, did you, did you see a change? I felt a change. Definitely, I felt an enormous change because it was no longer that, like, these things were just pushed under a rug. We were, like, challenging these beliefs on Facebook. There'd be people from my age group responding to all of the racist comments left on post about the protest. Um, there was like more action to be done. We, we started like this momentum, I feel like, um, and it was, it was visible. And I think that some re residents were actually threatened by it. Um, they, yeah, they, yeah, they felt threatened and that was the sad. It that breaks my heart um, because it's not all what it was. Mm -hmm. When you, I mean, you know, you guys are say like 19, 20 years old. You guys are young. I'm, I'm 35. You know, I grew up in the city, and uh, but you guys are touching upon like heavy ideas that you know I didn't touch upon until like I was an undergrad or, or like even post undergrad. You know, like the the southwest side of, of Chicago does. Uh, have a cultural conservatism that stems from, you know, uh, the, its parishes. There is an undercurrent of, of white supremacist feeling in, in our neighborhood, even though it's sleepy and, and, and rather peaceful, but it manifests in, um, in people feeling threatened by, by simple conversations. Yes. Um, and I think that that's, you know, what I was so inspiring to me, too. I did feel that marked change in the neighborhood. I wasn't exactly sure what it was, but it was this. It was young people putting older people on notice that you're well aware and, and witnessing what's happening here in, in, in our community and our society. So I also want to say thank you guys so much 
for for doing this and uh, and what has the work been, been like you know now you know like a year out and, and moving forward I guess now what you know where are you guys at with that um, so I guess my activism sort of is definitely I'm not like a in-your-face person so um, I definitely try to take the high road and do what I can um, for myself and for my community in whatever way I can and right now I'm at an internship at a publication and I actually run the Black Lives Matter section and email and essentially I'm interviewing artists um, usually from the African diaspora or black people in America about their artwork and trying to elevate these voices that are criminally um, under under stated um, so yeah and I'm I, I definitely awesome. keep up with um, you know all that's happening now um, I know that the movement kind of lost momentum ever since that we like started gaining our rights back and you know the pandemic is quote-unquote over um, a lot of people kind of you know, treated it as a trend, but I don't really see it that way. And I, whenever an opportunity arises to kind of create change or promote, um, promote racial justice, I try to take it, especially being white and coming from like a police dominated neighborhood. I think that was my main problem is, um, there was nothing happening when, um, a lot of our neighbors are police and that, you know, we were kind of um, Black Lives Matter movement is like a, also a critique of um, police brutality as well. So it something needed to be happen. And yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the work that you are doing is amazing, and I really appreciate your role, but also the other organizers' role. And I, and I, you know. Before we continue, I, I want to take a moment, a good moment, to thank everyone else from our court team who could not be here today, um, especially Ariana Asensio um, and a handful of other very special dear friends and fellow organizers, but also adults. Yes, you, um, you know, supportive adults in the community. There were people giving out water okay. as we were yes. going past or like standing in front of their lawns, cheering us on with their children. Running is, into their homes, their mm -hmm. businesses, to bring us snacks, to bring us water, bringing their children out, um, you know, to cheer us on. And um, folks in the community of Summit, too, yes. um, where, you know, we did a cross-municipal effort um, as we did our Juneteenth march. Uh, down 63rd Street, um, terminating at Summit Park. Um, Reverend Jimmy Daniels, the former chair of the Rainbow Push Coalition, was extremely helpful to us and a, a great mentor to me um, in sort of calming me down and, and reminding me of why we were there and the power of our voices. Hi, my name is Ariana Asensio and I was one of the organizers that helped coordinate the Black Lives Matter protest here in Garfield Ridge that happened about this time last year. Um, and I was asked to speak a little bit about how it all happened. How did we 
get to the point where we were organizing a protest and everything happened through social media because it was the beginning of corona and no one could really get together and if you were getting together you were now cross-contaminating everything was new with covid and we just didn't know so all the organizing happened through the phone through group chats through long conversations zoom calls zoom meetings everything happened through there um but it really started with one of the organizers i'm not sure if she wants her name mentioned so i will not mention it however she messaged me and she was a good friend from high school and she had phone home and she was seeing all of peers that we went to high school with post very anti-black and very just uneducated responses on what black lives matter was and we she messaged me and she was like i just don't understand how we both we all went to the same high school we all live in the same community and how they don't understand and we were having these conversations um these us as organizers we were having this, these conversations with some of our friends and they didn't understand either and i got a message from her and she was like i think we should organize a protest and i said okay count me in like that let's do this who can we like what do we need to do and so it was just a snowball effect after that. Um, we originally wanted to keep the event very private. We were really scared. Well, scared is an overstatement. We were worried about the response the community was going to have with a Black Lives Matter protest happening here because it is, a lot of cops do live within this neighborhood. Um, and there's just also a lot of conservative views that are normalized in this neighborhood. Not that that's bad. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. However, it's just the reality of what is and what is spoken um, in our neighborhood. So when we were organizing it, we wanted to keep everything very private. We were, all of us were just gonna show up <laughs> on the island um on archer and narragansett and just stand there and protest you know obviously like we were worried because we didn't know if we were going to be arrested what was the repercussions was it public property private property there was a lot of legal things that we needed to work out so we um me and the organizer that reached out to me she ended up messaging one of our former high school teachers that um, we did student government with, she was amazing, and she helped us with everything. She said, okay, you want to know whether or not it is public or private property? Let's look this up. Let's see what, what you need. Do you need a permit? Do you need this? And she was helping guide us like she knew how to organize a protest. And I, I don't think she would mind me saying her name, um, just because she is who she is and she's unapologetically, um, herself but her, Sarah White she went to or she's a teacher at Kennedy High School she um, was amazing with this um she helped us organize it and so we were skeptical we had told her we weren't sure how the community was going to respond so we decided as organizers that we were going to keep it small with a group of people that we knew were not going to 
be destructive um and there was just a lot of misconception on like black lives matter protests at that point because everyone assumed that they were just going to be looting and they they were worried so we wanted to make sure that that was not the image that we were going to bring in the community and so that our community didn't have a bad and negative um interaction with a black lives matter protest so we ended up deciding to do it on the island we were going to release that information a day beforehand we were thinking even hours beforehand because we did not want to get shut down but we were also really really worried about the response so we ended up sending out we set up an email we send a set out an objection objective um sheet that had all of our objectives, what we were there for, what we were going to be doing, what is the route that we were going to be taking, you know, different, just so that way in case you were arrested, like there, this is what I'm here for, this is what, um, and the other organizer, she wrote that all out in detail, it was very impressive, and we had everything organized, and everything was private, up until this point and then <laughs> um and then after that it was chaos a little bit because word got out um we don't even know how like we started telling like our friends a little bit of like please keep this information but obviously you know word gets around pe parents must have seen or heard or you know said said something or someone Regardless, the word got out and it got out to like the Facebook group chats, um, the Facebook neighborhood pages, everything. And everyone had very colorful responses to this. Some people were very, you know, yes, this is something that this is a conversation that needs to be happening within our community and agreed with us. And some people were no, you know, and I remember one of the emails that we were all very shocked um at when we were organizing it is we were when we were talking to our teacher she had looked up all the legal information she was like no I think this this lady is kind of we had gotten an email from one of the ladies within our community saying you know the island is a sacred place to some people in our community and they might not like it that you're there and we had already anticipated people wanting to um not have us here and make up excuses but we were willing not willing to fight um but we were willing to stand our ground and say like no this is a conversation that needs to be had um but the more we got into it the more that we were having this com this conversation she was like no this is a veteran island uh we were like oh okay and they I remember we had an email from the veterans saying that we will not stand for this that we do not give you permission and we had people commenting on our Facebook posts or we didn't have a Facebook but other people were sharing it and bikers like veteran bikers were threatening to like smash skulls and we were like oh no we cannot <laughs> we do not need this we we cannot endanger the lives of people that are attending our you know the protests that we're organizing so 
Um, that led to having more conversations. We ended up getting in contact with the principal at Kennedy. He ended up hosting us. He said, we cannot actually stand anywhere, but we can take a route and we can march. And I will work with people and work with security so that way he can get you from point A to point B to point C and then back to point A. And that is what we did. We had to reorganize everything. We had a Venmo account that had people donating money in order for us to get, you know, snacks, in order for us to print out um, the objective sheets so that way we can hand them out to people. It was very much, you know, we we did all of that. And leading up to the event, obviously we had to make announcements saying we're not going to be protesting on the island. We're going to be protesting. We're meeting at Kennedy High School's parking lot. Then we are going to take this route. And it was very much getting in contact with teachers. There was two or three teachers um, that were just phenomenal. Like we, I am a former um, Kennedy alumni and they their response to wanting to help out students that that former students was just it was very heartwarming but it was also it was also critical to it was one of the strongest things that we had when organizing and something that we really I don't think I appreciated enough when we were setting up the organ like organizing everything and setting everything up because it quickly could have gone awry without um, their help. And I do want to give them credit um, for everything they did for us um, during during that time. But yeah, that was that was the roller coaster of what like the small seed that we were just gonna all meet up at the island and protest and how it turned into um, being hosted by Kennedy High School and having the principal there and having other community leaders there. I want to share also about what you're doing now because I know that um, he's doing a lot for the community as well. Thank you. Thank you, Nicola. Well, um, you know, to keep it short and sweet, after um, our actions, I actually joined um, a congressional campaign um, and uh, worked on the communications team. Um, it was a West Suburban congressional uh, campaign and um, attempted to bring voice to voters of color uh, in a lot of the media that was being produced on this campaign um, in order to reach this very diverse district more effectively. And I actually went on to um, work as a full-time campaign staffer. I took a gap year from school and I moved first to South Bend, Indiana, worked on a congressional campaign there, was the point organizer for the black community in South Bend um, for this congressional campaign uh, and for the Latinx community there. I then moved up to Montana and worked for former Governor Steve Bullock's Senate race um, and worked with folks on the ground um, to organize uh, our, our urban native community in Great Falls, Montana. Um, also Montana's most historic black community there in Great Falls as well. Uh, and then after that, I, uh, after November, unfortunately, meets the blues, but um, it was a very hard fought campaign and I learned a great deal about rural organizing and the diversity of rural America. And Garfield Ridge taught me a lot um, about really being able to have those uncomfortable conversations successfully with working class folks, with folks who are just trying to get by and who are trying to make an honest living and, and, and 
playing by the rules, as it were, um, but who maybe may not notice that you know those rules are skewed, um, and that there is a way for us to widen the door of opportunity. And then after that, finally, I moved to Athens, Georgia, and um, I worked uh, on the Georgia coordinated campaign for now Senators Ossoff and Warnock during the runoffs and actually had the honor and privilege of organizing one of Georgia's most historic black communities in Wilkes County, um, which is the cradle of the Confederacy. Wilkes County itself is actually where, um, in 1865, the cabinet of the Confederacy gathered to disband. And um, a lot of those Midway memories came flooding back to me from our work at the Civil Rights Coalition. Um, when I was, you know, driving down those lonely roads and um, knocking on those difficult doors and living in the shadow, um, very poignant shadow uh, of our, our past, our shared past. Yeah. Well, thank you both for so much for the work you've done that you're doing and continue to do. It's definitely inspiring you know, to see young people, you know, take on the issues in America, you know, unapologetically and both right. And um, on that note, you know, um, what, what are, you know, how do you guys feel about the future in America? You know, we have you know, in five years from now, um, things might look, you know, very different. 2015 seems like a lifetime ago, even though it wasn't. Um, you know, these next five years, you know, might be very formative for, for yourselves and for America. What are your hopes and, uh, and expectations, um, you know, moving forward? That's a big one. That's really big. <laughs> um, I also get the, the you know, elephant out of the room. I, I think my main hope is that we are further along the way um, on the journey that didn't begin last year, although it may have felt like it, it did not. Um, but I hope the torch of human rights continues to be passed forward in all areas, in gender equality, in racial equality, um, and sexual equality with the advances um, that we've seen in the LGBTQ community. I, I think more importantly, maybe for me, what I really, really want to see in America is us being able to talk to each other again. And I, that sounds very vanilla. That sounds very, you know, well, why? Let's put party. And it, it's not just about that. Um, really being able to see one another as human is, is crucial to making any civic advances. Um, and I, I need that to happen in 2025. Um, I need us to work towards that together. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think my main hope is for um, us to think more critically. Extreme information is stirring up like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and it's easy to get sucked into it. Um, and yeah, we really have to address that. So, you know, to stop white supremacy. And we really have to also reform the systems because I don't think that white supremacy is just white supremacist. It's really the, you know, systems in place that are preventing um, minorities from getting the same opportunities and respect as white Americans um, and you know like racism it comes in too many forms um, and 
I think that they're all worth addressing because you really can't have one without the other. But and can I can I pop in real quick? Of course, um, please. You know, I also hope Sir Garfield Ridge in, in, in the near term future, and, and I hold those just as dear as I think I hold the hopes um, for our country. And um, I, I was so privileged to move into communities basically on a dime across the nation to work on campaigns to fully um, be a part of the electoral process. And one thing that I learned was that um, one way that my upbringing in Garfield Ridge served me so well was. Um, I, I understood the beauty and value of community um, and communitarian sort of like movement towards the common good. Um, because if there is one thing that Garfield Ridgers do very well, it's organize um, for whatever that may be. They're not pretty, they're very ugly things that people in our neighborhood have organized for, just as there are beautiful things that people in our neighborhood, all kinds of things, you know. Um, whenever someone a couple blocks over, um, you know, parents find out their child has a rare disease, you see people walking around the neighborhood with special shirts on, you know. Um, I recall in high school, my, my, my second year at St. Lawrence, um, just as we were preparing to go co-ed, um, one of the students from Queen of Peace who, who uh, their family happened to be dear friends of ours in the community passed away, um, from a rare form of cancer, and the community pulled together in such a beautiful way. Um, and my hope is that we continue to to have the ability to be neighbors with one another, but that we let go of the need to be the same, um, because that is what has held us back so much. And and that isolation. You know, last week I was telling and I was telling Jamie um, this uh, a couple of days ago. I just finished a book. Um, I, it's called There Goes the Neighborhood. I recommend it to everyone in this room and everyone who's listening. It's a UChicago study. It was conducted between 1990 and 2000. Um, and the, the sociologist at the university chose four neighborhoods um, to uh, collect data in and to analyze ethnographically as neighborhoods changed rapidly in Chicago between 1990 and 2000. And they were all given pseudonyms because of the con controversy uh, that the study was generating and the controversial potential. Um, and Garfield Bridge is the first neighborhood described in this book. Um, and, and tying it back to my hope for 2025, um, these UChicago uh, uh, sociologists and their field workers, you know, said Garfield Ridge is very much like a small town. Um, it's geographically isolated from the rest of the city by Midway Airport um, and in many other ways. And yet it's home to so many people who spend their careers going out into the city to serve our fellow Chicagoans. And I want us to see ourselves as a part of that greater fabric and tapestry. And I want us to move forward in a way um, where we can begin doing the hard work of, of approaching one another with love, um, with a desire to work together, at the very least with the desire to include one another in this element of community and not um, to play to the easy, ugly, low-hanging fruit um, of race baiting, of fear, of income-based, you know, classist fears which, which have often animated discussion in the community. I want us all to be one with each other. I think that's an amazing note to end on, Dave. Thank you so much, Nicola, Dave, for the work you guys are doing here in the community. Um, definitely appreciate it as one of your neighbors, and um, 
We appreciate you checking this out. Please uh, uh, be on the lookout for Dave, Nicola, and young people's work here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. All right, so we just finished up listening to the interview with the student organizers in Garfield Ridge, and um, they had a lot of great things to say. Um, one of the things that I was really impressed with that Ariana was talking about was how, you know, they kind of changed plans on the fly out of necessity and just want to give a shout out to the administrators and to the teachers at Kennedy High School who helped, you know, these students and former students organize something important in their neighborhood. Um, so that was great to see. And uh, obviously, you know, the, um, the actions, both of them seem to go really well. Uh, and hopefully this is the start of, uh, you know, something bigger and better and keeping this conversation about racial justice going on the Southwest side. Um, what'd you think? Yeah, no, definitely. I was, um, very impressed, you know, with what Nicola and David have to share, um, you know, the impetus to want to do something and be part of, uh, this national conversation. Um, why this neighborhood, you know, which, what, when doesn't like, uh, you know, um, like rallying things up, I think David articulated very nicely and succinctly, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, kind of um, social conservatism that emanates from the kind of community fostering that um, religious institutions have in the southwest side of Chicago, which, you know, has, uh, which he, I, I appreciate how much they shared of, um, you know, how, uh, being part of that um, community building. Um, you know, uh, people don't, you know, Nicola mentioned, like, people don't think about living in a white supremacist society, but, like, it manifests itself when, you know, these young people want to have a discussion, um, creates an impetus for, like, a biker gang to want to confront them, um, you know, for pushback at these meetings from longstanding community, you know, residents that don't want the discussion to even be had. Um, like, you know, I um, really uh, was really impressed with these young people and like you said um really uh encouraged to see that they're not deterred and you know they're going to keep going yeah absolutely um and you know we're talking about systemic racism we're talking about the black lives matter movement trying to uh push for a more racially just society and um you know the point where we are today in society has been you know, building up over generations and, and centuries. Um, and one of the other things that uh, that Ariana mentioned that I was really impressed with was, you know, this is a long-term project. And I think the organizers understand that. Um, I think everybody who's been pushing for racial justice over the generations understands that. So, you know, just continue in the struggle and, uh, you know, hopefully and eventually things uh, start going in the right direction and uh, we have things we can build upon. Um, yeah. All politics being local, you know, these local conversations and uh, mutual understandings, I, you know, we all hope lends to a better future. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, before we wrap up this episode, there are a couple of um, things I wanted to mention since we were telling a story about Garfield Ridge uh, to begin with that we're going to be doing some, some pretty exciting things in Garfield Ridge over the summer and through the rest of the year. Um, the main thing is we're going to be working on a vaccination effort. Um, 
we're going to have some uh, canvassers from the neighborhood, young people, very much like the people we talked to in this episode, um, going door to door and trying to encourage people who haven't gotten vaccinated to get vaccinated, um, reminding people that the COVID vaccine is is free. Um, it is uh, readily available. That's something that we can't say for all healthcare, unfortunately, but for the COVID vaccine, we can. Um, it's safe, it's effective. Um, I was vaccinated as soon as I was able to, um, and I'm glad I was. And we're gonna try to get those numbers up for the sake of community safety around the Southwest side, um, and specifically in Garfield Ridge is where we're gonna be focusing. Um, and then we're also doing a, a community bike ride coming up on Saturday, August 7th. We do community bike rides the first Saturday of every month. Uh, we just did one um, for July in Wentworth Park, and we're going to be back at Wentworth Park at 10 a.m. on August 7th. We had a really good turnout for the July one, and hopefully we'll have a really good turnout uh, for the August one. Um, we're going to have Divi bikes, too. Divi is bringing a van full of bikes. So if you don't have a bike um, or if you don't want to bring your bike to the ride, feel free to come by anyway and you can use one of theirs. So uh, anything else to add before we wrap up? I mean, that sounds like um, a lot of good things coming up in the neighborhood soon. Um, looking forward to you know doing two more episodes next month about how it's all going. Yeah, we'll have our next episode coming up in two weeks. All right. Thanks a lot, Jose. Thanks for listening, everybody.